Hello, listeners. Uh, we've just finished recording the show that you're about to listen to. and That then, was a champagne cork. Ah, we've just walked into the living room where the <laughs> news was playing and learned frustratingly just after putting a show in the can that Peter Dutton... May, may be ineligible for Parliament. Yay! Because he's a grubby little boy with dirty business interests. Yes. Which very disturbingly revolve around childcare centres. Exactly. So if you woke up this morning... Any of your friends have their children in the care of a Dutton family centre, phone the DHS. Oh, yeah. not fucking joking. A hundred percent. I cannot stress my endorsement of that message enough. <laughs> Get them out of there. No matter what it takes. But uh, basically, if you've woken up and you're like, oh, I can't wait to see how the boys are talking about the Dutton controversy, and then you listen to this in disbelief as we completely fail to mention it, it's because it's happened just after we finished recording. Because he is our fucking nemesis. Yeah, exactly right. Well, that's it. <clears throat> Enjoy the episode. We've got some interesting things to talk about anyway. <clears throat> A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you're spent. Well, just to come, the captain said, the iceberg's only dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy, but what a feast for tired eyes, the poison earth, the boiling skies, everyone their own depths rise, remember when the world was wise, we know, no, no. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen. I have been... 43 days without purchasing tobacco. My name is Darcy Moran, and sitting to my left is my co-host and good friend Kieran Stevenson. Hello, Kieran. Saudi crop, Darcy. <laughs> Kieran's back from holiday and he's speaking foreign to be sophisticated. Yes, it's and true. And now... White, the cosmopolitan guy. Welcome to Weakness for Bleakness. In the news this week, Fraser Anning becomes the inevitable Fraser Anning, and mm. Bob Catter's Australia Party ends up in the inevitable position that my personal Australia Party was always going to end up in. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. The best... Because uh, obviously when I was trolling for headlines, I managed to pick up a, a Fraser Anning headline as well, and the best one that I found was funny for its insanity. It was like, here's the history behind the final solution thing, <laughs> as if that's an article that needs to be written. That speaks to the fucking insanity of politics right now, <laughs> that there are enough people who are just being like, yeah, fair, fair go, fair dues, that somebody needs to be like, wait, well, let's talk about it. Let's how. talk about this, because it's not actually a dog whistle. It's a bugle no. call. Yeah. A dog whistle would be like if you were talking about endemic dishonesty in academia and the media. That's yeah. a dog whistle where the racists go, yeah, I get what he's talking about. That's yeah. the Jews. But the final solution is not, that's like a subtle tilt yeah. of the head. To me, dogs. To me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's fucking... Just waving a fucking yeah. rotten steak out Here, the boy. <laughs> Here, boy. The final solution. What a fucking crazy move to pull. We, we do have an assimilation crisis in this country, though, and it's about time that we stopped pretending that we didn't, mm. which is old people from the fucking yeah. 1750s 
refusing mm. to accept that race is a false concept. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very glad that uh, that paid off my decision to let you run with that because there was a microsecond where I wasn't 100% <laughs> sure if it was a bit or not. I haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. Thought <laughs> maybe something a lot of changed. things can happen. Yeah, Old... forty three days without a smoke could that can do strange things to a man. Yeah, old people, you're a hundred percent right. Can fuck off with their nonsense because <laughs> there's bigger shit to worry about than there the are, idea like... that this nation made up not quite exclusively of immigrants might be threatened <laughs> by the presence of immigrants. Yeah. Just specifically Muslim ones. Mm. Even though radicalisation is is a threat, all people are constantly susceptible to being radicalised in the name of some mad cause or other. Yeah, like uh, intense nationalistic xenophobia. Correct. Which is the most fucking rampant ideology in the West doing damage today. Oh, yeah. Substantially more. If you pluck out the 9-11 outlier, mm. then... White supremacist terrorists are responsible for far more mm. bloodshed and horror across yeah. the board. Far more. In Ireland, they're responsible for all of it. It's <laughs> huge on both on all sides. Yeah. But they would have this thing where it's like, it's time for the final solution. We need a public vote on whether the fucking Protestant royalist cunts can come into this country. <laughs> I mean, that maybe, you know, I, look, Ireland should always have been handled more democratically. I think we <laughs> all agree on that, and, and things are going yeah. better now. It, mm. it, it speaks to the fortunes of that beautiful island, though, that just as everyone agrees, oh, all right, we're going to be grown up and democratic about this, then fucking England decides to Brexit bomb the situation. Yeah, fuck me. <laughs> the number of pies that England shit on with its Brexit nonsense was uh, preposterous. <laughs> but uh, to briefly return to but the But it's topic, related. Yeah, so Fraser, Fraser Anning, Anning has been congratulated it. by a long list of uh, prominent right-wingers. Yeah. Alice Workman has published a list of all of the senators who shook his hand and congratulated him yes. after his racist speech. Very good. Matthias Corman. Mm. The uh, most disappointing Arnold Schwarzenegger impressionist ever, because he's not even Austrian, he's from Belgium. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Useless. Pauline Hanson wasn't having much of it, but that's because it was very much treading on her patch, and that is... It's treading on her patch, and she has an entire career of fucking up in exactly (laughs) the same way to have learned when to be like, look, too far. (laughs) Too far. But mm. like, if, if if you think she gets filthy when Asians turn up to stake mm. out her turf, you should you should see the rage when white men look like they're going to be taking some of her light away. Whoa, yeah. that's when the Pauline knife comes out. Yeah, that's why she will always have a minority party because no matter how popular one nation get, Pauline Hanson will always manage to prune her plant back to its roots <laughs> <laughs> through her neurotic indecision. No one from the Labour Party um, shook mm. his hand, presumably because Penny Wong would have immediately yeah. punched their throats out. <laughs> yeah, because it would have been the most public suicide since Bud Dwyer to do so. Fuck me. And predictably, none of the Greens shook his hand. But yeah. if, you are, if you consider yourself a moderate coalition supporter, 
Mm. A lot of your senators shook hands with a man who demanded the final solution earlier this week. So, or earlier last week, I should say. So yeah. Well done. Good supporting. The uh, <laughs> the crazy just before Good we moved supporting. on. The, just before we move on, the craziest part, or like the most disappointing part of this for me, was I heard about the speech before I watched it, and then when I watched it, it's the most like fucking sixth grade book report bad public speaker delivery of this hateful rhetoric that i've ever seen normally these monsters can get their dander up enough to at least approximate a sort of grim impersonation of hitler style charisma because charisma is literally all that you can rest on when you're yeah selling snake oil but But, yeah he's just a fucking comatose idiot yeah he's standing up there looking at his feet going um and uh Australians have earned the right to not not be afraid of scary browns and I'm calling for the final solution in the form of a public vote it's just oh it's hard to watch they're also 2% of the country by the way which is not much but it's a big percent if you're just going to be like so I'm going to cut off migration to this sector of the community, no mm-hmm. more. It's a very short step to then, but we've just got two percent of the population is Muslim. What are we going to do about those? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I China's guess. got something it's up to in Tur- East Turkestan. Yeah, to use the name that neither the Uyghur nor the Chinese <laughs> used to refer to the province. I forget mm. what it's called. Yeah, I have no idea. But yeah, maybe we could use the opportunity to start a massive public infrastructure project and build some sort of railway by which we could send the Muslims to... Yeah, uh, anyway, I was going to say, I mean, at least the heat's off the Jews. It's a positive. For now. For me. Yeah. <laughs> first, just a personal. Thanks, Muslims. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Love your fine. work. Stay scary. Let's, uh, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Uh, All right, my first headline is... Charles Blackman is dead. Boo. You'll notice that uh, my headlines are a little less relevant to politics of the moment, but that's because there were only two headlines and I've generously allowed Darcy to have both of them. Um, (laughs) So artist Charles Blackman, known for Alice in Wonderland series, dies age 90. That's from Michaela Boland for the ABC. He's known for more than just that. Charles Blackman... (laughs) Dope painter. Amazing And he's painter. dead, and I'm sad. And normally this isn't the sort of thing that I would want to bring up in this uh, podcast, just a grim tally of every good person who dies, although the likelihood is that Charles Blackman was an asshole. Any man with three wives, you can probably confidently state, may have been a bit of a dick. Or just unlucky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think so in this case, but maybe. <laughs> um but also because he was one of the people that helped to uh, fucking drag the idea of modern art into this godforsaken fucking hellhole of a country that was so determined in the mid to like late 20th century to be a bizarre anachronistic theme park for old Britain slash fictional drover mythology. Yeah. And some dude painting weird fucked up Alice in Wonderland scenes helped to uh crack that egg a little bit so it's a sad day it's a sad day for anybody who believes that australia can be more than a pastoral nightmare <laughs> more culturally a red and unpleasant land yeah. 
if we're... Britain's castaway. Mm. Mm. I, I, yeah. It's a, it's a appropriately bleak way of putting it, Karen. Yeah. I, I liked his, uh, I liked his, I liked his work, but it, it wasn't a huge part of my life. It wasn't a huge part of my life as well, but he was always somebody that, like, if I was going to a gallery that had, like, old Australian paintings, you'd be like, oh, yeah, there's your John Brack, there's this and that, and you'd always be like, oh, fuck yes, Charles Blackman, there's my Charles Blackman, the weird reproduction of 5.30 at Collins Street. Oh, yes, yes. Nothing's (laughs) changed now. It's still the same. same. Less hats. Uh, Less hats. Fewer hats. Oh, (laughs) good, good point, my good friend. Yeah, yeah, fucking kill me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Charles Blackman was cool. Uh, his daughter, Bertie Blackman, is a musician. Really? Yeah, she got pretty popular with some songs. Bertie Blackman is a nice name ago. for a musician. It is, and she's like weird goth kind of lady as well, which uh, is very much in the Charles Blackman tradition. Yeah. Charles Blackman obviously presaging goth by a number of decades. I can but... see how she'd go down that route. The name for me evokes more of a kind of old soft shoe, hot jazz type era. But Oh, yeah, yeah, I could see that as well. I have no idea what she's doing now. She's one of those musicians that make me incredibly sad where they get famous for a hot minute and then you're like, oh, fuck, are they still around? And you check on the Wikipedia article. Hanging out with Nora Jones. Yeah, it's like, oh, she's released, like, three more albums since the one that anybody paid attention to, and I just feel really sad, like, they've been mistreated. Welcome to the gut bar of forgotten geniuses who refuse to be sexual enough. Mm, I did not call her a genius. Uh, I would like to go on the record. I think she's okay. I've never heard. I have no idea who she is. It's pop music. That's all right. But it's dark pop music, man. Her, her big single was called Birds of Prey, and it was spelt with a Y. Ah, okay. Beards of So prey. kind of an Evanescence vibe. Uh, aesthetically, yes. More of a LaRue vibe, musically. I know That's that good, you... because I prefer LaRue to Evanescence. <laughs> She's definitely better than Evanescence. <laughs> if, Ev- if Evanescence is uh, whatever her, the lead singer of that band, if her grandfather had died, I wouldn't be saying... Well, she's, she's from California musician. and she ended up in Kansas somehow. So the Evanescence angst kind of makes sense. Yeah. I would feel put upon. <laughs> Any band with such a strong emphasis on a gimmick where the bass player does a little roll over the back of the guitar player during live shows and having that be a sizable portion of their YouTube so videos. That's what they on- do. Yeah, the guitar player bends down and the bass player does a little combat roll over the top. Okay, so they're like a... a- a, a straight-faced shit version of Steel Panther, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, anyway, sorry, Charles. We spent half of your segment talking about your daughter, and then some I'm sure shitty band. he was very proud of her. Yeah. Um, uh, what's your Dale, next Mr. headline? Blackman. My next headline is our strong leader, mm-hmm. strong leader, strong leader, Malcolm Turnbull, has scrapped Australia's commitment to the Paris uh, Treaty on Climate Change. No more will we achieve a a 26% cut. He's done this because Josh Friedenberg's shithouse NEG bill wasn't crap enough already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is such a classic Friedenberg. Josh Friedenberg... 
he strikes me as a man who's not so much malicious as just genuinely, mm. genuinely incompetent, like a proper clown running across a minefield kind of politician. He is a dipshit. All he's, of his he's... interventions, well, everything Josh Friedenberg does splits the Liberal Party mm. and is also doomed to never achieve anything, even, yeah. even if it passes. He's psychologically incapable of coming up with substantial substantive legislation. Yeah, exactly. He's a rock in a stream <laughs> is about the best that you can causing, say. <clears throat> yeah, but a rock that somehow makes the stream, like, turn against itself. Yeah. Like, it should be a flat and placid bit of river, but his one pebble turns into rapids somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A hundred percent. It's he's, amazing. Uh, he's my MP. Proud of you, Joshy boy. Uh, Peter Dutton has done this classic mafia move of, oh, it's a nice premiership you got here, Mel. It can be a shame <laughs> if something happened to it. Are you threatening me? No, buddy. No, I'm just saying, you know, be a shame if something went wrong. But then he went straight to the media and he was like, I am threatening Prime Minister Turnbull. Yeah, but also simultaneously told other media outlets that he's a loyal member of Cabinet. Yeah. And I understand how the Westminster system works and if I can no longer behave with integrity and honour, then yeah. I must yeah. resign my commission yeah. and retreat to the back bench. What a shit show. I, it blows my mind It's difficult a to be both Hitler there. and Churchill at the same time, but he's fucking trying. He's giving it a college <laughs> try with more success than I would have been willing to give him credit for. He's on such a thin uh, strand of rope that it makes some sense to me that he would be like, well, I might not have my seat I should just have a election. push for it, yeah. Let's have a push. Yeah, if I'm the Prime Minister, I'm probably going to fucking keep that seat. His or majority is, is shrinking further yeah and i think the liberal party are down to like a 10 point trail behind labor yeah since post the dutton challenge yeah because the idea of having his vile rancid body inhabiting the lodge <laughs> is too much even for a lot of liberal faithful who are like oh fuck it we'll take impotent bill over psycho yeah <laughs> dutton. it's 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 a scary prospect, man. It's a very scary prospect. Just by, like, yeah. this time next week, Dutton could be Prime Minister. Enemies Wait of- for that episode, oh listener. Oh, God. Man. What is going on? And over the exact same shit as uh, the Abbott upset, the original Abbott upset. Yeah, and the NEG has brought Abbott out of his shitty mm. little fucking hole. Did you see his insanely, like meaningless echo of Howard's speech. I did. Where he's like, we can't let things be decided by Paris. We will decide what happens in this country and under what circumstances. Yeah. And it's like... It's it's not decided by... There seems to be this vibe amongst the English-speaking world Mm. that, like, Jacques Chirac decided (laughs) that everybody was going to cut their emissions by 26% and then sort of, like, beat us into it. Yeah. We very much were a part of the discussion. Yeah, we were that there. agreed that this was a good idea. Yeah, it <laughs> was a consensus. The fact that it happens to take place in Paris is completely... But maybe a future reference for the Europeans, and I don't mean this in any way against them, we should stop having conferences in your countries because it is giving yeah. way too much ammunition yeah, to exactly. our inferiority complex hold one psycho-politicians. In, hold one in DC, <laughs> one in London, and one in Canberra, and you'll be fucking golden. Everything just... will be fixed. It's nothing personal. In any, it, yeah. It's a kind of backhanded compliment, really. <laughs> yeah. 
Because what you've got is the equivalent of inviting your friend over to your house when you're in primary school and them just chucking a fucking fit because they're not allowed to be player one on the Nintendo. <laughs> like, just... It's fine. Go to their house. Let them be player one. Get their fucking shitty, broken player two controller, even though yours is pristine. Play fucking Clay Fighter because they're too dumb to recognise that Killer Instinct is the better choice. And <laughs> the Liberal Party basically the Liberal Party have thrown everything away over an eternal dispute over a piece of irrelevant Josh Friedenbergery. It's yeah, hilarious. It is because the National Energy Guarantee, what it was mm. gonna do was absolutely substantively nothing. It was mm. gonna save the public I think an average of hundred and thirty dollars per annum on their power bills. Yeah. The situation is so knackered. Household finances are so fucked. That is not a meaningful saving in any sense. A total waste of everyone's time. Yeah, it wasn't going to hit the profit margins of the energy sector at all. It was. Uh... If anything, it was going to lead to more coal being burned because it was going to increase the minimum production. Like the minimum, the base load that we keep hearing about was going to be raised a few percentage points. Yeah. To make sure we never ran out of power. So if anything, the coal baggers should have been fucking thrilled. <laughs> but- yeah, but well, here's the thing though: uh, how long does it take? How many goes of this does it take for Malcolm Turnbull to realise, like, them saying, "Oh, we want a little bit of this," you know, like, we can't, we can't make this too greeny, you know, we'll make it about energy prices, and so. Turnbull and Frydenberg and their team are like, all right, we'll, we'll try to make it about energy prices. And they come out with the legislation and the people are like, oh, no, we can't have this obsession with emissions and stuff. How many times does that cycle ha- have to happen before Malcolm Turnbull is like, oh, I get it. It's yield or be destroyed. <laughs> I think he's got it. I think he has to have it. This he's, point. he's trying to play a really difficult game of stoking his base and making mm. them believe that he's worth supporting yeah. whilst simultaneously not pissing off the power brokers in the party who hate him and most of their base. Yeah. This is the thing, right? This this image we have of the evil liberal voter mm. is not the majority of their voters. Most of their voters, mm. like most of Labour's voters, barely know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just instinctively like, oh, yeah. More money and freedom. I like those things. I'll vote mm. liberal. They're not focusing on the issues. The ones who are, the mentalists, are actually quite a small percentage of the base. Yeah. And so Turnbull's hoping that by appearing to be a nice guy to the majority of his party's supporters, yeah. he can somehow survive this election and hopefully... He's fucking praying Labour take Dixon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> because if Dutton dies, then Turnbull returns as Prime Minister, maybe, even if he's got a... Uh, if, if This is Turnbull's calculation, I think. If Dutton dies and he survives as Prime Minister, then he and Pine and Friedenberg can run their liberal mediocracy mm. free from bullies, basically. Because yeah. Pine is doing an amazing job, like, at the moment, of um, cornering the, the liberal MPs and just like, guys, please, <laughs> Malcolm is our only hope. What is wrong with you? Yeah. None of your weird guys are acceptable to the public. <laughs> yeah. The fucking, yeah, the burnt-up-looking demon... <laughs> faction of the party isn't getting the traction that uh 
they think they're going to get. Who remember when Christopher Pine used to think he was like a hard-nosed pragmatist? Yeah. <laughs> he had no idea. Oh, my God. <laughs> the demons lurking how, within his part. How disenchanted that experience <laughs> must have been for him. To be the equivalent of the fucking gnome character in a fantasy bar fight who gets trapped under an up, upturned pot and has to skitter about <laughs> hither and yon as people try to step on him. Occasionally, like, Tanya Plibersex, just from across the chamber, like, you fucking staring at me, Pine? No, 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 sorry, just just space. Just... <laughs> <laughs> space. It's a shit show. Who knows what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks? I don't. I'm yeah. actually I, I don't have, like, totally comfortable th- saying that, but I know that it's going to make all of my least favourite people in federal politics really miserable. Yeah. So that's kind of there's a, a win. There's a silver lining there's to this There's a silver sure. lining. Wow. <laughs> wow. What an exciting time. We could have PM Dutton by <laughs> super soon. In the next few days, if they fucking go hard enough about it. We could actually. It happens really quickly when they when yeah. they pull out the stops. This is very true. He's either going to be prime minister or out of office. Yeah. Hopefully, Tony will oh. go as well. And th- this is the question: how to get rid of Tony? Because Dutton is more terrifying as a potential leader, but Abbott is just like such a limpet and such a like pernicious force that he's got to be gotten rid of. And we don't have a Gandalf the White to come and been remiss of me. I haven't here. looked. I haven't had a look at the. Um, at the demographic, the voting polling in his electorate. Oh, he's not going to get unelected. He's not going to lose his seat. Abbott? I suppose they've stuck with him for 20 years yeah, or something, haven't they? He's got a fucking strong core of supporters, and I can I haven't Maybe heard... Maybe we should... Again, I feel like our fears of assimilation issues are being directed in the wrong direction. Again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> We just strategically do a public vote and be like every safe liberal seat <laughs> All of in you the guys country. Are going to Mississippi? <laughs> yeah, which means I'll be going to Mississippi because I'm in a safe liberal seat. But so you're just gonna have to pay that. If price, I can man. register as a conscientious objector, maybe. Oh, actually, you probably could. Yeah. If it gets you out of wars. It should get you out of Mississippi. Yeah. Fuck. Time for the uh, next news item, Mr. Yeah. Stevenson. And I have good news. It's a Musk update. Yay! Elon! Elon! The gas, haha, came out of his tank a little bit too quickly for my liking, but we have a nice little denouement for now, which is that he gave a really tearful interview. The headline is, Musk's tearful interview since Tesla's stock price plummeting. By Sean Dennison. So difficult being Atlas with the weight of the world oh, on my shoulders. I know, I know. <laughs> I can't keep the fountainhead under pressure much longer. It's just too much for me. Yeah. <laughs> you you create fifteen hundred gult gulches and they don't call you gult gulcher, but you call one international hero a pedophile. And torture your workforce. Yeah. Physically. And then start threatening your investors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, then reveal that the weapon you have in your fight for justice is the fucking Saudi royal family. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing could go wrong if I'm beholden to the Saudi royal family. <laughs> Tell me about what a genius you are, Elon. <laughs> 
that is that is one element uh, or a couple of elements, I guess, that we haven't had the opportunity to mask update on. He said that he was going to take his company private, which is just fucking insanity. And then when he was asked to explain it later, he was like, oh, I was getting on a plane and I turned my phone off straight afterwards and then uh, caused fucking immediate consternation amongst the moneyed class. And uh, basically, I don't regret it, even though, no, it's not going So. In fairness to Elon Musk, the way that the market behaves mm. with short-term profit projections is completely fucking retarded. Hmm. And I if agree. I was trying to be a CEO who had the long-term interests of my corporation in mind, I would be fucking ripping my hair out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm with him on that. Like, taking a company public seems like an absolute minefield of fucking problems, especially when. But you've it's got, it's the uh, price you pay for getting free money, basically. Yeah, it is. It is the price that you pay for getting <laughs> free money. Uh, and the world, if you want to be a fucking CEO, then you can't just be like, oh, but I want all of the benefits of this disgraceful <laughs> system without any of the yeah, baffling no. requirements. Totally that fair. go contrary to ethics or reason. Uh, yeah, and, and then he, he, he gave an interview where he broke down in tears and he said, this has been the most difficult, most painful year of my life. Uh, rem- remembering that his fall from grace was as a disembodied, self-styled god figure in a story where <laughs> a dozen Thai boys Some, were trapped like, in an underground cave for days. Actual heroes are fucking mm. scraping through tiny... Subterranean yeah. caverns, and he's just turned up with a metal box. Can I help, guys? <laughs> yeah. Let's tally up the uh, the pain and the difficulty of a few people involved in this scenario. So there's the Thai boys who obviously went through the insane <laughs> trauma in of being cave. trapped in a perfectly dark cave for days on end. There are the divers who lost their colleague in the relentless skeletal grip of the death chambers that they had to swim through. And then there's the thin-skinned fucking South African monster of Elon Musk. <laughs> Who they didn't like his metal box. <laughs> they didn't like his useless fucking invention. <laughs> people were brusque with him. <laughs> yeah. And then people were mean to him when he lashed out and just used the most hurtful fucking insult that he could get get at his fingertips. And, and, it's, and yeah, it was hard for him. And subsequently, <laughs> the stock of his company has plummeted because everybody rightly is being like, I don't think this guy is... Also, doing well. people are starting to discover that his companies have absolutely no useful content, really. Like, yeah. Tesla, as a car maker, is shit and mm. a failure. SpaceX is impressive, but fundamentally pointless, because yeah. well, Russia it's, can still... It's accomplished its only goal, which is to get the American government to put some funding back into NASA. Yeah. It's, albeit is, in the dumbest possible space way with force. Space Force. We'll discuss Space Force <laughs> next week, I think. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, Russia could still get shit from Earth to space cheaper <laughs> than SpaceX. Yeah. So well, it's a waste of a company. They've just been diligently being Basically. like, yeah, we'll maintain the ISS. Because the Russians we'll don't build care and maintain if their cosmonauts the come back or not. So. <laughs> That's part of it. Yeah. Not massively into defending Putin, but their, their space <laughs> program is better value for money. At mm. the moment, and the private sector is, is is yielding us. Also, SpaceX was basically just taking all of NASA's technology and saying, "People, give me money. I will use this pre-existing stuff." Yeah, exactly. Um, taking NASA technology, taking NASA personnel, yeah. and hiring them as contractors and shit. 
and then being like, and I'll put one of my stupid fucking cars into it. <laughs> And we'll send it to space. I can't do his accent. It's just... It's a weird It's accent. weird because he's South African, but he just sounds like ambiguously... Some ambiguously European Sasha Baron Just Cohen He sounds character. like European villain. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking wild. What an idiot. <laughs> I am slightly sophisticated, but also a little bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's Women 100%. don't know how they feel about me. Hmm. 80% of respondents, when asked which film character I most closely represent, choose Le Chiffre from Casino Royale. <laughs> Fuck, he does, actually. Yeah, without necessarily a super close physical resemblance to Mads Mikkelsen, it's specifically the character of no. Le Chiffre. Dabbing in his fucking stupid eye. Even with blood coming out of his eye, Mads Mikkelsen does not look quite as deranged as Elon mm. Musk. <laughs> Yeah, Elon Musk, man. Not that he doesn't have the acting chops, just... Yeah. He has the, he has the face of a man who's lived a kind life. <laughs> <laughs> Elon, look, I'm going to speak to you directly from the heart, buddy. Uh, take the advice. Stop being the CEO of Tesla. Take a fucking just go break. away and be rich. What the fuck is yeah. wrong with you? What are you doing? I would have more respect for you if you had some esoteric adventure <laughs> in peacock farming. Give... Richard like, Branson a call and say, Richard, yeah. I'm not doing this properly. I need some tips. How do you yeah. manage? Firstly, how do you quieten the demon screams? <laughs> yeah. Secondly, how do you carry <laughs> Kate Winslet out of burning buildings? Yeah. And thirdly, I just, how do you enjoy anything ever? Mm. I'm not doing this properly. <laughs> He's really not. There's a side story. Did you see Azalea Banks go nuts on Elon Musk? Oh, and yeah, actually. Just th- that is exactly what the cocktail needed. Was <laughs> Azalea a Banks. Super lunatic. Right. <laughs> 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 Azalea always <laughs> makes everything better. If your life is melting around you, don't invite Azalea fucking yeah. Banks around you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't just be like, let's install a microphone <laughs> that only records the worst possible side of everything and immediately broadcast it to the public. And is known for feuds. Yeah. Yeah, that's a number one fucking stock in trade. Yeah, so she's claimed that he lied about having um, raised the private funds. Is that right? To, 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 to take know, Tesla off the market or something? <laughs> Yeah, she threw like, him under some sort of massive bus. Yeah, apparently pointlessly. <laughs> yeah, for no purely for the sake of being Azalea Banks. Yeah, and she really fucking having vanquished um, Igloo Australia or whatever she calls. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Iggy Azalea. That's the one. Yeah. What a crazy time. <sighs> Elon Musk, you continue to bring me joy, but it's time to move on to topics. All right, Darcy, what do you have for us today in the terms of topics? Well, I thought this would be an appropriate moment to contemplate what the fuck is the Liberal Party? Yeah, that is a very good question. Historically, the Liberal Party and the National Coalition partner Mm. were essentially just a kind of vaguely pro-Empire and then pro-US anti-Soviet political block. Yep. And that made a degree of sense, and it meant that if you were an anti-Soviet voter, it was a really obvious and easy vote to cast. Sure. Helped especially if you were a Christian bloke. Yes. But 
there has now not been a Soviet Union for somewhere in the region of 27 years, thereabouts, I think. Sure, I will let you live or die on that number. <laughs> it's Pretty well three it's decades. It's within a very close... Pretty well way. three decades yes. has been no Soviet Union. Yeah. And the Liberal Party managed to truck on despite this under John Howard pretty mm-hmm. effectively because they were able to uh, ride that triumphant wave of yay we beat the commies go mm. capitalism's great little death to the metropolitan elites and muslim fear wave that yeah all sprung up after the uh after the sort of heydays of 90s optimism had died yep yeah <laughs> But it really is the party of our generation, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> with just that. like, oh, the psyche split in half along with yeah, the towers. This is and true. Now we all have to do because Haw- Hawk and Keating's Labor Party was an absolute baby boomer. Yeah, you can eat your cake and have it too. Sort of outfit. Wasn't <laughs> so it? It you like, can eat your cake and still have it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we can be rich and also socially just. Mm. Thank you very much. Nice guy, uh, nice guy, rich guy. That's me. Yeah. Very good. The Yanks have just done a profile on Cory Booker saying he's a fiscal conservative and a social liberal. Yeah. Which is to say uh, conservative. Yeah, basically. exactly. Which is what most of the Democrats yeah. are. So, yes. <laughs> Again, like, could be worse. But that's, you know, that's that's like to say he is not consciously evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the more dangerous form of <laughs> evil. Um, but under Howard, mm. and he was instrumental, I think, to the Liberal Party's success during his premiership, yeah. was you really got a sense that this was a unified party with a goal and a, an ideology and yeah. coherency. Yeah. It turned out that was all John Howard, because as soon as... And I do not like the man, but... no. One point. But he's one of the him. great short men of history, all of whom are barbaric. The, he's well, yeah, direct he's one of from the Napoleon's great lineage. shit men of history. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but he did have a really genuine skill in his ability to manage this unmanageable mass of apparently very stupid, very short sighted people. Yeah. Who all have totally conflicting ideologies that are now coming to light in the mm. absence of their common enemy. They've yeah. now got a series of phantom enemies, yeah. ranging from Muslims mm-hmm. to Aborigines to doll gay people to doll bludgers to, bludges, people, yeah. to some... In their defence, not many are worrying about... Most of the ones who are atheists have left yeah. the party... Um, so they're not quite as misbegotten as their American counterparts. Yeah, and they don't. Ha- but they, they don't have the nationalistic focus of their British counterparts. Mm. They definitely don't have the basically still adorable seventies rationalistic yeah. quality their New Zealand counterparts do. <laughs> um, maybe the sweetest right wing party in the world, the New Zealand <laughs> National Party. <laughs> well, how could it be anything but? <laughs> Oh, no, 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 we don't, we, we're not against anything bad, we're not for anything bad, we're just, you know, not massively enthusiastic about some things that are good, but you can still have them, <laughs> I want to make that clear. Yeah. <laughs> we are a reluctant Labour Party. It's, 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 a, it's, it's just such a shame. It's a shame is what I'm trying to say. 
I can't do a New Zealand <laughs> accent is what I'm learning right now. Look, I'd, I'd love to be an evil Tory, but I don't have it in me. So what I'm going to be is a sort of moderate socialist, all right? And you're just going to have to live with that. Fuck, why can't we live in New Zealand? (laughs) Because their employment prospects are appalling. Yeah, true. Um, The nationalistic, or like the nationalism question is an interesting one because I slightly disagree with you. And I think that in that, I think a lot of them are nationalistic, but they all just have very slightly different visions of what a nationalistic Australia looks That's like. That's a good pickup. I should say they don't have the unified nationalistic yeah, focus yeah, yeah. that like, the Brexiteer Tories have. Because yeah. um, Britain knows the fucking bald-faced lie that it's harkening yeah, well, back also, to. They've, and, and Britain's ruling class have hundreds of years mm. to draw on, th- over a thousand years, in fact, to draw on as far as their kind of narrative. Go- and politicians yeah. seem to be purely narrative creatures. Yeah, uh, and yeah, they, they, our, our Tories don't have anything like that. Well, this this is something interesting legacy. that kind of like uh, adjoins with something I've been thinking about lately, which is that like Australia, its modern history has been anxiety over national identity and what that means or whatever. Yes, and the real failure, cultural cl- cringe. Yeah, the failure of that uh, school that desperately wants to define what being Australian is just didn't get there before. <clears throat> the mass fracture of identity that happened with globalization and every country on earth basically becoming a small America. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, either we, a, di- I, we didn't have it figured out, and so now the debate is this fucking mm, insane this is, thing. There's no do you illusion. Think this of, may be particularly why there's a migration anxiety. Because yeah, there's always I, been. It's part of it. There's yeah. always been migration anxiety. Yeah. I think what's. What's tedious about this particular wave of migration anxiety is that in the past, people could be somewhat forgiven for not realising that they were just the latest batch of ang- of hand-ringers over yeah. migration. So when the Irish turned up, everybody shat themselves because, oh, no, <clears throat> they're going to make us slaves of the Pope. It was gar- <laughs> but seriously, um, Daniel Day-Lewis's bullshit in Gangs of New York, yeah. that was printed in newspapers right, in yeah, America yeah. and in Australia. Yeah. And then it was the Greeks and the Italians mm. and everyone, but, and then the Vietnamese, everyone, ah, right? But each of those xenophobic groups lived in a low-information age where I can mm. understand that they weren't aware that this was just always what happened when migrants turned up. Yeah. The fact that we still have, in an era where everyone should understand, mm. yes, there are teething problems when foreign cultures begin to interact with one another, but they are fundamentally irrelevant and easily dealt with if you fucking calm down for ten yeah. minutes. Yeah. The fact <clears throat> that we still have this hand-wringing despite the information that's available mm. is... It's particularly exhausting, I feel, and exasperating. It, it really is. I think the only thing that's really changed is the way that we deal with the narrative. Like, back in the day, there it always felt like there was kind of a strong leadership to keep it in hand or something and to make monstrosity seem like a good move. Like, I've been reading uh, Benang by Kim Scott, and it's got some documents from uh, <laughs> stolen generation policy and stuff in there, and it's, it's literally just, like, paternalistic authority being like, oh, yes, the... Black race is a problem, but with this breeding program, which we don't have enough global information to call us out as being like a thoroughly despicable thing to do, 
Uh, oh, is this about like, we'll... play, placing a pillow under the head of the dying race? As they it's used to it's, ref- it's they kind, kind of, of called it, yeah. Kind of like that shit, and there's like there's a bit of anxiety over a third race popping up. Like, oh, what if we accidentally create <laughs> half black, half <laughs> white people? Super race, like <laughs> like Sauron's orcs, <laughs> yeah. or Saruman's orcs that can move in yeah. the sunlight. <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's all fucking like Jesus mm. Christ, uh, very like skin crawly horse shit. Racists are so stupid. <laughs> yeah. They really are. They really, really are. Um, But yeah, they always felt like they had it in hand or something. But now you've got a bunch of like hyper literate, educated people who are tapped into global information who can be like, no, that's bullshit, man. You just got to like have the adequate social programs and you've just got to kind of like work. Yeah, just provide community. The fact is, migrants tend to be enterprising and resilient people. And Mm. even if you don't give them the support they need to find their place in your society, they still will, right? As yeah. America is evidence of and as we ourselves are evidence yeah. of, you know. It, all through white Australia, Chinatown got smaller and smaller and smaller, but it, it was always there. Yeah. Um, and the Chinese never allowed themselves to be, you know, chased, chased out completely. Yeah, well... Chinese people have been a part of the fabric of this country since, like, close to the very they beginning. They were building our first <clears throat> railways and our first fences with the Irish navvies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were there in the fucking gold rush, which we inexplicably think of <laughs> as being one of the constituent parts of our national identity. Oh. A bunch of fucking greedy white people <laughs> running to get gold from rivers. I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's an important part of, of what became modern Australia. But yeah, yeah the Eureka... The sacralization The, the trade this. unions need to get over the Eureka stockade, because that was not a pro-union thing. That was very much... I don't know enough about the Eureka Stockade to say hither, here or there uh, <sighs> what the case is. I remember the Stockade minigame from the Treasure Island uh, video game <laughs> that was released in the 90s. We won't, time. We're not going to start that mm, long mm, fight mm, now. Mm, mm. But, yeah. I the meditative know. rubbing of the chin, which the microphone is picking up, I feel... Oh, <laughs> sorry. To, no, 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 that's fine. I just have to explain it I to the listeners. I did not shave this morning. Um, that's all right. So a bunch of the Liberal Party is mm. forming itself up as the latest anti-migration yeah. speed yeah. bump. That's the cogent point in all of that tangent. Yeah. They're not really getting... They're not addressing religion. Um, most of the mm. genuinely religious MPs who have an issue with secularization have left the Liberal Party. So that's yeah. that's good. So we've got anti-migration. We've got... We still have anti-labour. As in, not the party, obviously, but yeah. that, the people, anti-people who work. Yep. Uh, rhetoric. They're pro-jobs. They just don't want the people doing those jobs to get paid or yeah, they want have people any to self-respect. Un- uncomplainingly <laughs> take what they're given. <laughs> they're and... pro-drones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hive mindset. Um, they're anti-science. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. That's a really weird one for me because, like, so much of their mythology today is presenting themselves as, like, kind of technocratic, sensible, uh, market-focused... Like, well, this this is the liberal 
faction of the Liberal Party. Yeah, but that that yeah. that faction so is such a huge part of their, Pine and Turnbull and Friedenberg, their public face, because that was kind of John Howard's thing, right? Was yes. like common sense facts, so sensible conservative. So it's still a major strain of yeah. their DNA. And but Howard the, was really clever at selling it as not being an ideology. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the that's ex- that's exactly right. But the anti-science strain is so strong that somehow that's it's not like coexisting with the sensible facts-driven party narrative, but it is... It's fascinating, because you get this with a lot of conservative parties around, and reactionary parties even. Mm. Um, You got this, even with the fascists in the 20s and 30s, we are either in favour of... So, like, Mussolini was pro-science, but Mm. anti-innovation and business. (laughs) Yep. Which is weird. The Republican Party and the Liberal Party Australia are... Pro innovation and business. Mm. No, they're pro entrepreneurship and yeah. business, but anti innovation and science. Yeah, which is an ex- an even harder position to hold. Yeah, that is really untenable. Well, it's essentially saying we want people to solve all of the inherent problems <laughs> and in our in ideology. Favor of flavor, but I do not like food. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Because it's like if you somehow manage to make a way for flavor to coexist to exist without sweets. food, yeah, yeah, then you can placate people. You can be like, <laughs> "Well, look at how much flavor we have. Why the fuck do you need food? Flavor is the reason you eat food." Entrepreneurship is the opiate of the ruling class, don't you know? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's essentially privatizing the jobs crisis. That's what it is. It is to the further abnegation of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question, man. Uh, it comes back to this like Batman versus Superman fucking Abbott and Turnbull <laughs> nonsense that we've been dealing with for Which nearly of these a decade men is the now. Most boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Well, it's 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 a decade next year. That's when the first two thousand and nine was when the first uh, knifing happened, right? Um. When Gillard took over from Rudd. Uh, when Abbott took over from Malcolm. Yes, sorry, that is 2009. Although they yeah. probably both happened in the same year. I think Julia took over in 2010. Maybe. Who well, knows? Two doesn't, it's not Jermaine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yes, we are looking at about a decade since their thief started. That's been the narrative of the Liberal Party for the last decade. But do, do you think it boils down to a simple... Stoush between two factional warlords, or do you think mm. there's something more profound going on as far as the direction of the party and, and the purpose of the party's concerned? Well, I think I'm... those two warlords represent that that confusion over the direction of the party. Right. So, like, yeah, I think it's fundamentally between these two so ideologies of Malcolm Turnbull and Christopher Pine want to be sort of genteel, silver-haired yeah. businessmen who run a nice, gentle, but aristocratic machine. Yeah. Sir Humphreys, if you will. Sure. And Dutton and Abbott, although they're not actually allies, are both chaotic evil. Yeah, they're (laughs) exactly right. They're the fucking Southrons and the Orcs or something. They don't necessarily like each other, but they both have common cause. But they want to destroy order. Yeah, fuck, I hope I got that right. Don't don't get in touch if I didn't. (laughs) You can't get in touch. We don't have an email yet. We will uh, soon, though, we promise. Yeah, when I get around to it. Listener, we promise. Um, yeah, so they're basically aligned in taking the party in a more, like, 
forwardly, consciously ideological direction. I yeah. Think. Well, is it more ideological, though? I would suggest it's less. I think Turnbull and Pine's wing, the Liberal mm. wing, have a more ideological position. I don't think that the yes. Chaos Boys have any ideological position. I know well, that okay, they, they, yeah. they, they have a lot of <clears throat> ideological positions that they hate and mm. that they rail against. Yeah. But they're basically just sort of like almost like um, philosophical liquids that just trickle through <laughs> whatever cracks they can find. Yeah, I think know? that's a fair point. And I definitely don't... I'm with Zizek on this one. The, the moment you think that ideology stops is the moment when it begins. Uh, and I don't buy any of this post-ideologic Francis Fukuyama horse shit that is so desperately, uh, no, so no. deeply responsible I'm, I'm for the ills of the day. I'm not suggesting that they're not but... ideological in <clears throat> any kind of um, enlightened one who has risen above yeah, ideological yeah, yeah. pettiness perspective. I literally yeah. think that they, they are too vacuous and yeah, too yeah, yeah. concerned no. with power. I think I agree to... with you. Uh, when I say take it in a more ideological direction, I think I mean in terms of PR, essentially. Right. Take it in a direction that plays on the emotions of the base rather than the attempts to appeal to the logic of the base, even though obviously that's appealing yeah, to... Yeah, well, the logic of the base is an interesting well. thing to consider as well, isn't it? I think it's the same thing by another name. It's people who like to feel smart because they consider themselves moderate, <clears throat> which is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? Do I need to elaborate on that? Uh, well, you see, my inability to determine which of these positions is the right or the wrong mm. position makes me perfectly suited to govern a nation of 25 yeah. million people. Yeah. I can't believe that that shit <laughs> still has traction. There's so many people, particularly in US politics, who are like, what we need is a moderate. And it's like, you don't. You, you don't. don't need a moderate because I, your entire context is to one side of the axis. So. It is. I mean, yeah, America's axis is fucked. But mm. the idea of a moderate at the moment, when when you have moderates as, as viable leaders, mm. it's during periods of you know, general political moderation. Yeah. Right? Like the 90s, where we had a consensus. It was a wrong consensus. Yeah. But basically... Everybody was basically getting along. The agreement was, okay, so we are letting the entrepreneurs have their head, as it were. Yep. And the disagreement is whether we are going to be honest about what we're doing or whether we're going to try and, you know... Am I going to lube up before I fuck you? Basically, <laughs> yeah. the political argument. And yeah. in that case, you know, you could absolutely have... Like, Tony Blair was basically a moderate. Mm. Gordon Brown was. John mm. Major was before them. Yeah. Thatcher wasn't, but you always have a radical or a reactionary who revived... <clears throat> whatever. You know yeah, what I'm talking about. They were about. basically moderates. And it worked until they started committing such egregious war crimes. It worked <laughs> for them. Like Granted. But moderates can still be, a you know massacrists yeah. as well. It's, and I mean, I'm not being flippant there, that that situation in the Middle East no, is did. integral to the way it, that the it, moderates this is very crumbled true. as a viable This is option. very true. Um, Tony Blair became a narcissistic, messianic moderate, which is a very weird position, but mm. he managed. He's a, he was a weird guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, in, in the current context in which politics stands, you see what happens when you have a moderate. Yeah. Malcolm Turnbull is being pissed on from every single direction. Yeah. Moderates don't 
have the uh, they don't have the resources to 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 win a situation in which there is a serious ideological crisis. Yeah, and because they're caretakers, they're not leaders. Yeah, and you can't you can't position yourself as moderate without understanding that moderate is a relative term which falls to the average of any given two positions, which can be. Extra, like if you have a moderate in the Nazi Party, that person is not, not the same yeah. as a moderate, as a moderate in, in 1996. The yeah. no, very true, Australia. <laughs> yeah, very so, true. Um, moderates, but they are fuck you, moderates. <laughs> they, they, they are just circumstantially inappropriate for an existential crisis. Yeah, because you need a new direction to be chosen, and moderates don't exist for that purpose. Yeah, exactly. They exist. They're to, caretakers. They're not leaders. Yeah. You don't want, like, I don't know, imagine a moderate in a fucking movie about a train that's going <laughs> to crash into a station if something isn't solved. It's like, well, the train is rolling. We just stay on the train. It's fine. <laughs> well, it's this like, was, I mean, a, a, a great example of the dangers of trusting in moderation is the British coalition disaster when you had Nick Clegg. Yes, yeah. And David Cameron, and the idea was that Nick Clegg was going to make David Cameron less shit. Yeah. And that's literally the best you can hope for a moderate, is Clegg's like, well, if I yeah. wasn't there, he would have really ruined the country. Like, but yeah. he still ruined the country. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it's marginally less fun. Like, well, why didn't you go with Gordon Brown then? Who, like, again, Gordon Brown, not crazy about, but he was a, an intelligent rationalist, at least. Yeah, he had a fake eye. He was a weird, weird-looking tree man. I would take that over. The problem with Nick Clegg is he's like he's a glass of water, right? Which is fine in some situations. It's like a neutral. It's not acidic. It's not base. It's fine. But the problem with a glass of water is that when you shine a hateful light through it, you run the risk of accidentally refracting and focusing that thing and having Nick Clegg come out and totally straight-faced try to be like, oh, yes, well, my moderate position is basically that we're trebling university fees and be like, oh, yeah. oh, fuck, that's right. And moderate doesn't do shit in this scenario. He just... No, they don't. I, I don't know. Eases uh, the transition. Either to- there are no circumstances to be dealt with. This is w- when you want a moderate in power is when mm. there are no circumstances that need to be dealt with. Yeah. yeah. Because an ideologue will always want to do shit and if everything's fine, they will make it bad. Yeah. But problem with the reality of politics is there is never a situation in which there is nothing that needs to be done there is always somebody with a strong position needed to be giving that direction yeah a hundred percent we just hope it's not Dutton yeah fucking please but that's part of the problem with Shorten is that I mean, he's being pushed. He's being pushed to the left, which is good. The but. advantage of Shorten is that he will have a progressive cabinet, and yeah, they will yeah. be able to steamroll Look, him. He's, That's he's, the- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who are his moderate allies? He doesn't have a Chris Pine or a. There's not. A, there's. This is actually interesting. Despite Shorten being the leader, there yeah. is not a strong moderate faction in the Labour Party. Well, all, all of the heavy hitters are more progressive. They are. By which I mean Wong, Plibersek and Albanese. Yeah, and, and, and even, you know, Tony Burke and co, like the, the, the sort of second-tier cabinet, if you will, yeah. are more progressive than um, centrist. Yeah. Um, so it's odd that there's this idea that the right wing of the Labour Party is this kind of invincible monolith mm. and that the left can never quite... Def- because the left of the Labour Party is always 
the faction with the public support, with the membership support, yeah. with usually more MPs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. really odd. I, I think it's partly a press issue, and the press have a role to play in this Liberal Party crisis as well. Yeah, because of course they do, because it's fucking circus day in, in fucking Tinseltown. Uh, that's a terrible... What was I trying <laughs> to say? Circle day on the hill? Well, what what it is, is people who are supposed to be reporting on what is happening are <clears> determining <throat> what is happening. Yeah. Spe- and this is much more true on the right wing of politics than the left wing of politics. Mm. The Guardian and the Age and the ABC and Crikey do not have Andrew Bolts and... What's that idiot with the golden microphone in Sydney? Alan Jones? Jones? Yeah. yeah. Our, you know... Tom Elliott's on 3AW. The left-wing yeah. media doesn't have these people. So if you're a politician on the right... Mm. Sorry, I should not have my hand in front of my mouth when I talk into a microphone. No, it's totally fine. If man, you're a politician on the right, you have got a really aggressive press pack that are bullying you, essentially. Yeah. Constantly. Whereas if you're on the left or the centre, you've got a really pliant, gentle, almost pointless... Uh, media. I suspend that for Crikey because Crikey is actually quite good. But yeah. the mainstream press on the left and the centre lit- are too professional to have any impact <laughs> on what's going on. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That's very true. It's a it's a mess of a thing. Whereas uh, if, yeah, if you're if you're on the right, you've literally got one of your most influential spokespeople talking about fucking waves of migrant invaders who were <laughs> stampeding across the landscape. And then, what, two weeks later, Fraser Anning does his final solution speech. Yeah. So this is a big problem for the right as well. You've got politicians with thin skins and weak wills yeah. and no idea what to do without the Russians being beaten up by lunatic journalists. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. So you have a situation where in his foreign hordes menacing the shoreline, Mm. weird, nervous breakdown. Andrew Bolt is literally doubling the number of Chinese people in the country because he can't read statistics. And on the census, there's a bit where it's, were you born in China? Yes. Do you have overseas ancestry from China? Mm. Yes. Those are the same people answering yeah. that question, but yeah. he has counted and, them both as totally separate groups. He's well, an idiot. He, and instead of having the wherewithal to come out and say, obviously Andrew doesn't know anything about statistics and we are not endorsing his idiot fucking positions, mm-hmm. they just shake Fraser Anning's hand after he makes a Holocaust speech. Yeah. It's fucking wild. This is yeah, it's it it it's it's extremely wild. It is very much a uh, a kind of wild west situation in the Liberal Party, isn't it? And it's, it is. And the and the, the moderates are doomed. Yeah, they kind of are. Either way, <clears throat> either Dutton gets in prior to the election, and then they just hold sway for a little bit, and they use their loss as an excuse to be like, well, we'll try the reactionary thing we didn't have the time to get it up before the election rah 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 etc or they stick with Malcolm lose the election and I'm seeing what is happening to the liberals now 
as being very much what happened to the Republican Party in the late 80s and middle 90s, where what had been a really quite interesting um, liberal stroke conservative, classical liberal stroke conservative party, gradually just get beaten and thrashed into becoming these strange kowtowing reactionary psychos. Yeah, it's kind of scary to think about. It also brings to mind, like, <clears throat> I don't know if you ever had this experience, but when I was younger, reading some, like, old fogey from the 19th century or something, being like, the problem with democracy is that you have to listen to idiots or whatever. And when I was younger, being like, ha ha ha, but, you know, it's the best form of government, governance. Yeah. And, and now just being like, fuck, like, I'm all for democracy as the only viable option right now, but, like, fucking seriously? (laughs) Christ! We can't have a little trigger that's, like, if you misconstrue facts, either willfully or through dangerous ignorance, you're still allowed a voice (laughs) on the national stage. It's that authoritarian stir at the base of my soul. It's why I'm never going to go into politics. I, yeah, I can can see that. I can Mm. totally see that. Did, I don't know. I was gonna I was gonna meditate on what the future of the Liberal Party might be. Yeah. But I honestly don't know. It's it's I, really hard to I tell. I suspect they're gonna get Republicaned. Yeah. Right? You look back to political footage from the US in the sixties and seventies mm. and you see Democratic politicians and Republican politicians having reasonable discussions with each other. Yeah. With the facts at their fingertips. And you know, Usually not agreeing, yeah. ultimately, but both being people who had reasonably decent agency compared to the naked corruption going on now, yeah. and both being part of the same ruling class, effectively, yeah. that conducted itself according to the same sets of values. What's interesting, has been exciting for me about what's in the Liberal Party at the moment, is that the ruling class appears to be tearing itself apart. Yeah. And I think this is... Maybe a late stage capitalism thing. Oh yeah, fucking one hundred percent. They don't know how to deal with it, and it doesn't help that the ruling class is a more weird, diverse <laughs> thing now. That you can have yeah. fucking bizarre cowboys like Bob Catter alongside cut glass polished men like Malcolm Turnbull. This is true. Yeah, having these Clive fucking... Palmer and Gina Reinhardt at the same table as the Bailey family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you always had you know your fucking oil men versus your stock and bond men. Yeah, but or new, whatever. But, but this is on this a is whole the nouveau riche versus the noblesse, right? And the yeah. nouveau riche never used to have this much influence on things. Yeah, and like so, I think part of part of it is that, and part of it is just the system is tearing itself apart. And eating itself alive. And yeah, I mean, the disruptors are that. literally tearing capitalism apart. They're tearing the workers apart as well, which is why I hate them. But yeah, it is fascinating because you're trying to you're trying to get increasing returns in a system of diminishing returns, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly that's a really concise way of putting late stage capitalism. <laughs> yeah, and it's... as a consequence, their flag bearers in Parliament are falling apart. Cause yeah. There are too many ways of approaching an impossible problem. Mm. It's another one of those, like, uh, promising aspects of the horror of living in transition is, like, we're, we're, we're fucked. Our, <laughs> we don't have any chance of really having a good 
uh, stable context in which to exist. Things are getting but, so bad, I'm actually thinking about going to... University. No, Darcy, say it isn't so. <laughs> of course you are. It's, what, your fourth time? Your fourth fifth, time. fifth run at the, <laughs> at the horse? We're going, uh... Do it. It won't help you, but it'll give you something to do for a couple well, of years. Well, I mean, if I can get some sort of something out of it. <laughs> yeah, just stay on the train for as long as possible. It's a bunker in which you can... <laughs> Eventually you're kicked out and you're like, hmm, storm's still happening, but... <laughs> At least yeah. I had time to dry. Yeah. But, oh, well. uh, yeah. Maybe the the insane torsions of this system twisting itself into a million bits will have better outlooks for people in the future. Either that or it'll be warlord times again. I've always been curious about living in warlord Well, times. we can find out who the fuck was refining all that, uh, all that petroleum in Mad Max world. That'll be mm. interesting. Because mm-hmm. that was always what I wanted to know. Well, it's the guy from Gastown, isn't it? It is the guy from Gastown. John Howard, I think, was the mayor, the actor yeah. who's amazing, not the politician who's awful. Yeah, was the mayor of Gastown. Yeah, um, not a guy that you'd ever think you'd see playing with a prosthetic nipple. That yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Oh, on him. he's an absolute hero in my mind for that. <laughs> yeah. I was always a little bit indifferent about him before. I was like, oh yeah, you know, good guy. He's he's in stuff or whatever. But when he showed up in Mad Max, I was like, oh fuck yes, top ten. <laughs> Good job, John Howard. Absolutely. Yeah. But fuck you for having the same name as that shrimpy ideologue. Although I guess he's not much of an idea. I don't know. <laughs> Why am I dragging us into the ideology question again? I think we should uh, we should rest this topic for now. Yeah, let's do it. And take a short break while I go to the lavatory. You heard him, ladies and gentlemen. How was your piss, Darcy? Uh... Elegant, simple, straightforward. No trimmings. None needed. Wonderful. Excellent. Uh, Let's do a Gratifying. (laughs) Let's do a very brief uh, B topic. Essentially. So there was a big brouhaha, wasn't there, Kieran? There was a lot of outrage about this anti-fat thing. Yeah, yeah. This horrific... uh, Fucking... Jimmy... (laughs) Horrific uh, example of body shaming that comes to us courtesy of the great Satan Netflix. Netflix! Yeah. Essentially, the way that we arrived at this being our B topic, which is my topic ostensibly, was (laughs) you being like, so we watched all of Insatiable, and me being like, I want to talk about that. I haven't seen it. But... uh, We being me and Robin. Yes. Uh... In Insatiable is a show about a fat girl who loses a bunch of weight and then embarks on a revenge quest against the people who used to... Except it isn't. Okay. It's a show about a protagonist with an IQ of 40 mm. who insists on having the same episode repeat itself ad nauseum ah, for somewhere in the region of 13 hours, mm. which you could get away with if you were, say, John Cleese being Basil Fawlty, because Fawlty Towers was not supposed to have a narrative arc. It was a series of disconnected farces, all of which worked perfectly well in isolation from one another. Mm. But Insatiable was trying to be a fucking story. Mm. So it was stupid and it was bullshit and it didn't work and I hated it. <laughs> uh, yes. as, as regards Debbie Ryan's Fatty Patty character being a fat shaming thing... Mm. I, she's it's barely it's not relevant to the story at all really yeah um she's in a fat suit for the first 
not even five minutes of episode one. Mm. There's like one flashback to it in episode two. Yeah. But it, you really, the writers kind of remember every 90 minutes or so to throw in a reference to the fact that she's allegedly got a problem with eating or that yeah. she used to be overweight. It's not a part of her character. What is a part of her character is that she has poor um, judgment. Mm. She has no impulse control. Yeah. And she's just definitively stupid like it's the struggles of an unintelligent person mm. would have been a really interesting drama for me it was like the protagonist <laughs> in this show is literally a low iq person having a mm. hard time navigating the world like, oh, that could be a very interesting drama mm. right like curious incident as dog in the night time had a very high iq character but mm. he suffered from autism yeah. It was very difficult for him to navigate really, really simple things. Would have been great to be like, no, this character doesn't have anything fundamentally wrong with them. They're just stupid. Yeah. That could be great, because I don't <laughs> think that's really been done, apart from, was it Dostoevsky? Oh, the idiot? Yeah, but he's not stupid. That's the whole concern. Oh, that's that right. Book, Sorry, he's, yeah. he's very enlightened and intelligent, but that's people right. think, think that he's, he's stupid an idiot because he's pure and holy. That's right. It's a stupid yeah. Christian book. Never mind. It's a very good book. It's Whatever. got such a depressing ending. It's great. <laughs> it's the Russian. depressing the the way that I remember the Russians can be. Yeah. Uh. All right. So what's what's interesting to me about Insatiable having not seen a fucking second of it is that obviously the controversy started well before it was released. Yes. And so this was going to lead to bullying of fat people yeah. and fat shaming. Now, there's a degree to which I'm not qualified to speak on this because mm. I'm firstly not a woman, Yes. never been a girl, and have only become overweight marginally and as I approach the 30. Yeah, sure. So being a super attractive and really cool and fashionable high school student is an important part of American culture. Less so here, I'm pleased to report. Mm. If I had been a fat girl who was bullied at school, maybe I'd have responded drastically differently to this film, but this uh, series. But, but here's but, the thing. This is the pitch of the show. Fat girl loses weight, takes revenge. That, I'm not saying that's what it came yeah, out to be, so, but that's how it was pitched. And that doesn't read to me like a fat shaming thing. That no, reads to me like illustrating how much easier it is for people... It's like saying, oh, Get Carter is a gangster-shaming film about how you should be bullied if your niece goes into porn. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't ring true, does it? It's a very weird analysis. John Wick is a (laughs) dog-owner-shaming film. (laughs) Again, (laughs) mafia-shaming movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it's kind of... Kind of a wild take. And I can understand that these, these people have an axe to grind with society. Fucking, of course. But it never. Yeah, well, and me. the fucking media as well, by the way. But yeah. especially, not just society. What, but what the- really tickled me was when it came out, and I, because my phone is a mirror to my deepest shame, is I immediately <laughs> got like that started showing up in my headlines. And all of the headlines were like, insatiable isn't fat shaming, it's just dreadful. Yeah, it is just dreadful. It's really badly written. Mm. There are some amazing single gags scattered through it, and the right. cast are very good. Mm. It's beautifully acted. Mm. Um, from Debbie Ryan, who I genuinely wanted to kick off a bridge. She was so annoying, but she was <laughs> supposed to be. Like She did right. it really well. Um, through to... Even, oh, I've forgotten her name now, was married to Ben Stiller. Fucking don't expect me to 
Zoolanders and no, I know who Ben Stiller wedding, is, but not the wedding dodgeball. Yeah, you're talking about Ben Stiller now. No, I his wife, know. who was in those films, who's not know. his wife anymore. I don't know. All right, I don't know who you're talking about? Never mind. She's in it. She's everyone in it is good. The acting okay. is beautiful. Yeah, it's just awfully written. It's incoherent. Mm. Yeah, cool. <laughs> it sounds I terrible. But I don't understand what the excitement. Well, the the public response to it's mm. been very positive. It's got about seventy percent on IMDb. I think. Yeah. Or Rotten Tomatoes, one of those. The critics have all despised it. Interesting. Not necessarily, I think, because it's fat-shaming, but because Mm. it's barely coherent. Mm. So what what interests me about this is, like, the fact that there was so much heat around this show before it came out, before people had really seen anything other than a trailer, because we're in this fucking weird cultural moment where the the sort of feverish attempt to solidify morality in the US means that the culture is effectively eating itself. Yes. And... it's oh, a good advice. I like that. It, 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 everything is kind of being assessed for its, its flavour and its appropriate levels of this or that or whatever. And I don't yeah. I don't have anything against being responsible in media. So I'm not like, like a joke libertarian who's <laughs> saying like it, why can't I say homophobic slurs anymore or whatever. It's but, progressives turn to be censorious in a way though. Now yeah. they have the whip hand and they're the ones who are saying Yeah. This film is or this series or this book is disgusting and we don't think it should be part of the public discourse. Yeah. Which is frustrating to me. I don't know. Well, we didn't like it when the Tories were doing it. No. Censorship is just a fucking terrible idea. I think let Insatiable come out and tank if it's going to tank and fucking not be good or whatever, but the calls to have it cancelled before it's released... Well, this is, is Barbara is Streisand insanity. syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, the Streisand effect. Of- yeah, sorry, the Streisand effect. If you call attention to this shit, it makes it popular. Yeah. I think Insatiable and- would probably have been a reasonably rapidly forgotten. Well, it would have been like 80% of the Netflix originals, which is like pretty average. Yeah. And thanks for killing Black Mirror, you assholes. Oh yeah. You've got an ax to grind about Black Mirror. Um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah. How much of that audience score being high do you think is Chud's kind of like brigading behind there could be a fair bit of it but i I think to be honest Mm. if you're like a young adult Mm. who's not been exposed to much in the way of modernist art Mm. and this is your first experience dealing with something that is both a deadly serious drama and also a highly absurd comedy yeah then you could, I can totally say, hey, like, oh, this is genius. I've never seen anything like this before. Right. Because it is a sort of entry level Beckett experience almost. <laughs> of like, I gotta say, you're making it sound better than I I'm making it sound it a lot better than it is. But mm. it's in, in just in the sense that it is simultaneously a, a surreal comedy mm. and a literally, in some instances, deadly serious drama is beautifully Beckettian. Yeah. I used to be fat. But then I ate my leg. <laughs> this is the wonderful Despair. bit, right? Is Jamapel insatiable? And 
to be honest, like if ever a protagonist just mm. fucking got in the way of the story happening and didn't need to be a part <laughs> of it, because she's the least interesting character by a hundred thousand yeah. miles. Is this not the Orange is the New Black thing where they've this very like, similar shown- to the Piper <laughs> effect in yeah. Orange is the New Black? Yes, yeah, like okay, cool. She used mm. to be fat and now she's hot. Great. Everyone else is a lot more interesting. I don't need anger management white girl in the thing. Yeah. Um, so there's, yeah, her mentor throughout the uh, pageant process is a really complicated character who turns out to not have the uh, sexual position he believed himself to have. Sure. Uh, his wife is an extraordinarily complex, aspirational bogan who's trying to pass herself off as a highfalutin society mm. dame. Her best friend turns out to be possibly, maybe definitely a lesbian who may actually hate her very... So th- like, there's a lot of interesting stuff that is going on. Just none of it has anything to do with the protagonist <laughs> who's the, the shit character. Yeah. Uh, and th- what could have been brilliant would have been mm. a nice little bit around this pageant culture. Yep. It's never explained why the pageant is important to her. We assume it's because she used to be unattractive and now she is attractive and the pageant is the... Yeah, the proof of that. Proof of that. But it's never actually really gone into. And they very clearly tell you everything that's happening, if it's a thing that's happening. Because mm. the characters not only verbalise it to each other, but in case you missed the verbalization, you then get a fucking voiceover monologue. <laughs> so, hello, Kieran. I just said hello to Kieran. I know him already because I did not need to ask his name. That's how you know that audience. It's mm. that's grating as hell. But yeah, this pageant thing is treated like a really normal. Oh, of course, she'd want to go from being the fat girl at the back of the classroom to the pageant princess. Yeah. But it's not examined at all, and it is a really important part of the story that should be examined. Mm. Maybe this is an Australian thing because the beauty pageant is the one toxic spore of American culture that <laughs> fortunately hasn't fucking taken root here. Yeah. Apart from in bits of Queensland, where, it's a where of bit... course it has. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you don't. It's it's basically uh, Christian hypocrisy mm. given literal scores. Oh, it's fucking insane! And uh... it's pedophilic, pederastic, incestuous creepsville. I, yeah. Don't un- and this doesn't even have any entertainment value. I don't understand it as a spectacle at all. Uh, it's uh, it seems like I don't want to cast any aspersions that are unwarranted, but it seems like an excuse for pedophiles. <laughs> to- <laughs> I'm not musking it. I'm not accusing anybody specifically, but that's what it seems I'm like. I'm not accusing anybody specifically. It's just the seems to be the vibe. Yeah. But it is. It is literally it's extremely creepy. Christian hypocrisy as a sport. Basically, yeah. is um is Queensland our? Who's the first character that gets infected in the thing? Wh- whichever character it is in the thing that first gets infected oh. by the alien is that Queensland for us? Yeah, I it, think all, it is. All of the fucking shit is coming from there. Prison Imagine was based up there as well. How awful your state must be if you're aspiring to be like fucking Texas or yeah. Mississippi. Oh, that's what we're, that's what we wonder in Melbourne. Like, this whole where the European city, Mm. the culture, is embarrassing and stupid, but at least we're aiming for Vienna and Paris. Yeah. Not fucking Tallahassee. (laughs) (laughs) 
But have you seen the steers, Darcy? Have you seen the steers that they have in Tallahassee? (laughs) Unbelievable steers. It is just tropical Texas, basically, isn't it? Yeah. Fuck me. Queensland will be the death of us. Probably quite literally. Probably quite literally. I learned today that the coalition is officially one party in Queensland. It is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they finally gave up the pretenses. (laughs) Yeah. And, in true National Party negotiating style, Mm. got fucking nothing out of the merger, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. All it did was the Liberal Party were like, we're really sick of these annoying gadflies fucking buzzing around us. Do you want to offer them a merger? Yeah, fuck it. They'll go for it. And they did. And now they don't exist anymore. Yeah, (laughs) sure. Of course. It's so easy for the the National Party politicians to just be like, yeah, why wouldn't we do this? It's not like we're representing our constituents. We might as well. morons. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so insatiable. So insatiable. So as a non-watcher of insatiable, what questions yeah. do you have? Well, that's a really... Because I want to... This knowledge was hard-earned and I would like it to be put to use. I mean, I think I... I, I think mostly I wanted to know what you what you talked about. I just wanted to know what it was like without having to watch it myself. But my interest principally lies around how the public is reacting to it and this new way of watching television, which is like using it as some sort of weird output faucet on the national morality where we assess the results and use that as a kind of fucking meter by which we judge how the world is doing, how society is doing on a moral level, and then input our criticism as our only feedback back. Like, it's just this extremely lazy form of moralist activism that the Americans are fucking absolute exemplars of where it's like oh this thing is bad it represents badness vote it down get it cancelled put that criticism into the machine and thereby fix the country an interesting insight because there is also a very american moralistic aspect to the uh response you get when you say well what's what's wrong with it and then mm. they just scream, you are just beneath contempt. Yeah. How could you ask such a question? And try to push yeah. you off the battlements or something. Yeah, it's interesting. Because uh, in the there interest- is a really anti-education thing that runs so deep through American culture mm. that even when you say, oh, what, what, why, why, why is that a bad thing? <laughs> the response you get is, I'm not here to educate you. Yeah, Fuck yeah, off. I'm not here to educate <laughs> you. In the interest of disclosure, I'm, I'm not like... Uh, a super, super heavy person or whatever, but I've been overweight since high school. I've never been thin as an adult. I've never been a healthy weight as an adult. Cry for me, please, (laughs) listener. But, like, I legitimately don't really give a fuck about... Like, I don't have any access to this uh, font of outrage, and it could be a question of degree. Never dreamed of pageantry? No, I'm... Never I don't have to walk on a stage and raise your left arm a bit and yeah. say, "God, God bless Australia." Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, that is the one aspect of it that maybe I hadn't considered. I don't have access to the to the female experience of, of being overweight, but like, I think that's I've a been... big part of the backlash against it. Yeah. It's supposed to be a big part of the production itself, but it's not. It's barely, yeah, barely in there. I don't know. It's just it didn't. It didn't spend... strike me as somebody who's sympathetic to the uh, to the premise of a I, fat person getting their own. I will back break it down this way. They spend more time 
focusing on whether or not black magic is a valid concept than they do focusing on fatness. Yeah. It's literally only brought up ever if it's necessary Mm. for the plot. As all, as everything, by the way, the entire thing is not deus ex machina for the ending. The whole fucking plot is worked out by the gods. Everything just appears as needed at random to serve the interests of the plot. Yeah, that's terrible. It's being made up as they go along. It is worse than the shit I used to write when I was drunk and 19. It is appalling. That's terrible. It is terrible, yeah. It is a... (laughs) There's no Chekhov's gun. There's literally... It's Chekhov's random generation (laughs) machine. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. What a shame. So Terry, I think it's called, is still the uh, the number one go to for fat empowerment stories. Then the one yes. with John C. Riley and that kid who I follow on Twitter who oh. hasn't, hasn't paid off the follow. By the way, if you're listening, you have a weird Polish last name that I can't pronounce. I think your first oh, name is Jacob. You now is he? I I don't want him to follow me. I want him to entertain the me. The most just a fat empowering nice film person. ever is Nacho Libre. Nacho Libre, I've been meaning to uh, meaning to watch as a lover of both wrestling and, in principle, Jack Black. I've yeah, been meaning to watch it, but I've never seen it. Well, it's like you know, it's not Tenacious D. Basically, it suffers massively from that, but it's it's fine. Yeah, it's it's a better fat empowerment story than Insatiable. Yeah, where again, yeah, literally, the fatness is only dredged up. As if forgotten. Yeah. To bail the story out of <laughs> fucking plot collapses. But there's yeah. a bit where she goes from no one's ever wanted to speak to her. Mm-hmm. She has no self-confidence, no social skills, nothing. She loses the weight. I think this might be actually an area where people have genuine concerns about the depiction of a fat person becoming thin. Sure. And she immediately starts to behave as though she's been a sex maniac bombshell her entire life sashaying about seducing people without any stretch marks full of confidence in her beautiful body and the power it gives her over people and so on Mm. there's absolutely no psychological transition from i'm fat and everyone hates me to i'm thin and everyone loves me it just happens literally with the body so i can Mm. see in that respect how people might think it's bullshit because that was it would have been nice if one of the like if, yeah. if if a mean girl had taken her under her wing and taught her how to be mm. a dangerous monster, and her former best friend was trying to win her back and keep her on this sort of straight and narrow, mm. then you could have had a hell of a show. It would have been actually quite interesting. Again, yeah. Well, isn't isn't that one of the there were hundred thousand the... angles where this could yeah. have been a really interesting show when they missed every single one of them. Isn't that one of the, like, quite subtle uh, aspects of of uh, the psychology of being bullied for being overweight is that you can all you can be psychologically fat long after you've lost the weight. Yeah, and, and sh- they the show insists that she is mm. literally through her voiceover saying, yeah, right. I'm still fatty patty, but there's no yeah. evidence of it. Yeah. All right. I would like to revise from Terry uh, Some Freaks, which I think is also maybe on Netflix, or I think it was when I watched it. Yeah. It's a fantastic little uh, indie film about a dude who lost, loses an eye 
and a girl who's overweight and they have a relationship and it goes pretty deep into the psychology of her as somebody who loses weight later in life. It's a fucking good film. Sounds interesting. Watch that actually. instead. All right. Yeah. Watch that instead. Some freaks. Yeah. Some freaks. All right. We've been going for an hour and a half, dude. You lucky people. So much content. So much content. Although I should note it will be shorter than an hour and a half when you look at it because some of this content has not been very good and Kieran will be surgically removed. Yeah, it might be like a minute 20, uh, an hour 28 minutes or an hour 27 and a half minutes or something like that. Definitely but, uh, not an hour and 35 minutes. You're not going to put more content in. I might. Well, actually, I am. Apart I'm going to put in the songs. Put the yeah. songs in. They account for maybe a minute total together. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so... Who knows? Email us the length of this episode, readers, uh, listeners, I mean. Uh, and you can send it to weakness for bleakness, all one word, at gmail.com, which I will be setting up this evening. Yeah. So it will be up by the, the time we're broadcast tomorrow. The, likely, the likelihood is that that will be free. It will be free. <laughs> It's going to be free. If it's not, I'll make it free because I'm a Jew and I'll use my Jews. Oh, very good. Very good. Jew That's juice. a message we Pour wholeheartedly... Pour my Jew juice in the internet. See what happens. <sighs> All right. Yeah, we're tapped out. Uh, <laughs> that's a Kobkun crop from me, listener. Go away. Top shit, my best.